Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Betting Life Show brought to you by Fantasy Life. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. The NBA All-Star break is here, so it's time to start looking at the second half of the season, and I'm joined by Matt Lamarca. Lamarca in the Betting Life newsletter, which, by the way, everyone should check out. You highlighted some of the futures bets that you like as we move into the second half of the season, so excited to talk about that with you. Uh, it feels like forever since we've talked, although that was really just <laughs> Monday with the Super Bowl ending. But I mean, at this point, it feels like uh, the NFL season was years ago. Uh, that's what happens when I get out of my NFL routine. I just lose all track of time. How is the non-NFL season treating you? Yeah, I know you, you've been branching out. You're doing NASCAR podcasts. Now you're doing NBA podcasts. You're you're, you're you're just spreading your wings now that the NFL has finally released you. Uh, things are going good for me. It hasn't been the best uh, betting week for me, I will say. But, you know, we're still in the positive for the season on the NBA. And hopefully over the second half of the year, we can we can keep pushing into the uh, the, the the bigger unit count. So. That's where we're at, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a very good playoffs when we get there. You know, unfortunately, with the NBA, you kind of have to go through the slog that is the second half of the season to ultimately get to the playoffs, but uh, once we get there, I think we're going to be looking at some some good contests. So a, a couple of things. It's sort of like this truism that um, like what happens in the regular season for NBA almost doesn't even matter. Uh, in terms of like what we see in the playoffs. And so, yeah, we just got to get through the second half of the season before we get to the playoffs. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, as I would say I'm not spreading my wings. Uh, I'm just looking for something to bet. Like I feel uh, like a, a life raft, like just a drift in the ocean. Uh, I'm just looking for places to put some money for, uh, you know, bets and, you know, NASCAR, NBA, hockey, whatever. Uh, just no football anymore. And I will say uh, everyone should check out the NASCAR pod. Uh, you know, hopefully maybe this comes out before uh, we have the Daytona 500, but shout out uh, Nick Giffen, who I uh, was Smash the, guest for the duels. The, yeah. The, he absolutely dominated the two dual races, which are the qualifying races for the Daytona 500. So uh, it looks like he's already got a very good look at uh, at the, the NASCAR market and what is happening there and where there's value. So shout out him. Check out that episode. Let's get into this episode. So we've got the trade deadline that we just recently had. We've got the NBA All-Star break. What are the, and I'm asking this question sincerely as someone who doesn't pay attention to NBA at all while football is in season, what are the big moves that happened uh, during the trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline that, you know, might make a difference with the teams that acquired players. Yeah, there really weren't a ton. It was a pretty quiet deadline. Um, the, the biggest player that was moved and it wasn't even a deadline day deal. It happened, you know, a couple weeks prior, but Pascal Siakam going to the Pacers. That's somebody that, um, you know, he, he's a borderline all-star caliber player, uh, but it doesn't really move the needle for the Pacers in terms of like their odds to win the championship. They are still, you know, considered sort of a, a third tier team in the Eastern Conference. So um, on deadline day itself, you know, the the 76ers were busy. They brought in Buddy Heald, you know, sharpshooting three-point specialist, but their season is ultimately going to come down to what happens with Joel Embiid and, and his health. Um, 
Yeah, nobody else really of like super note that was moved on deadline day. It was pretty quiet overall. That's a boring answer. Sorry. Uh, I'm I'm going to ask the the self-interested question as a Mavericks fan. You know, like I'm in uh, you know, text threads with guys from high school and you know, anytime something happens with the Mavericks, you know, whether it's a game or whether it's trade, whatever it is, they get excited about it. Uh, they were excited about uh, some players that the Mavs brought in. I believe PJ Washington, uh, Daniel Gafford. I don't know if those moves actually make a difference, but the Mavericks have been playing well recently. And maybe some of that is just, you know, Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, about a year ago that he was traded to the Mavericks. Uh, and so, maybe just he and Luca are starting, you know, really to solidify their on-court chemistry. Maybe the team is figuring out a little bit better how to use them separately. Uh, but of course, you know, maybe some of these additions at the the trade deadline or before the trade deadline might actually make a difference. Uh, any thoughts on the guys that the Mavericks brought in? Yeah. I mean, they definitely added some depth to the front court, which was needed. You know, they were relying on guys like, Derek Lively and Grant Williams and uh, Maxi Kleba to play big minutes. And now those burdens have sort of been eased, but none of those guys makes a huge difference. I mean, this really, this, this comes down to the, the Luka Doncic and Kyrie and Kyrie Irving experiment. Can they stick together? Can they both be healthy? And, uh, you know, is there enough with just those two to go toe to toe with some of the better teams in the Western Conference? Um, the returns have been promising when those two guys are on the court together. The Mavs have a net rating of plus seven point eight. Like they're they've they've been good when they've had both of those guys available. That just hasn't been as often as I guess the team probably would have wanted it to have been. So um, the Mavericks to me, they're a very interesting team. I considered them. You know, for the the long shot uh, bet that I put in the newsletter, ultimately decided on a different team that we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure. But um, I think they're live. I think they are live to uh, move up in the in the standings, get a guaranteed playoff spot, possibly win their division. And, uh, you know, they're going to be a team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs if those two guys are healthy. A plus 7.8 net rating with those two healthy, I guess I, I was hoping it would be higher. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that feels fine. But like, you know, when you start sort of like narrowing the bands of what you're looking for and, and cherry picking just a little bit, like I would like that number to be a little bit higher. Sure. Uh, I, and I, I say this as someone who uh, one knows nothing about basketball. Uh, and then two is just uh, a little bit skeptical uh, in general about the sports teams that I root for. Uh, and then also just got uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, but you know, but, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, who are the teams you mentioned that um, we didn't see as much movement uh, in the trade market as we maybe could have? Who are the teams that didn't make moves that probably should have? Yeah, I think if I was the Nuggets, I probably would have been looking to bring somebody else in. I think the Nuggets might be a little bit uh, thinner than they were last year when they won the title. You know, like. Bruce Brown played such a big role for that team in the playoffs last year, and it seems like they're kind of missing that guy this season. Um, so I, I would have liked to have seen the Nuggets make a make a move. Um, 
the Bucks really didn't do very much. They, you know, they made some minor things. They brought in Patrick Beverly. Um, they signed Danilo Gallinari in the buyout market. Like these are things that 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 give them a little bit more depth. But I don't think it ultimately changes the five guys who are going to be the on the floor uh, predominantly during the postseason. And you know, they are just so bad defensively. I, I think Doc Rivers is catching a lot of flack for, you know, the fact that the Bucks are three and seven over their last 10 games. But the truth is this team has been awful defensively all season. And it's just hard to win a title when you are not good on both ends of the floor. You know, historically, you need to be top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency if you're going to be a championship team. And the Bucks really have taken a huge step back on the defensive side of the ball this season. Some of that was to be expected, you know, sh- switching from Drew Holiday, who is one of the better defensive point guards in the league, to Damian Lillard, who is one of the worst defensive point guards in the league. Like, there was always going to be some downgrade there, but I don't think it was ex- expected to be as drastic as it has ended up being. Well, you mentioned uh, the Bucks there in the East. You mentioned Drew Holiday. Let's start talking about the East, you know, with the Celtics there. And... Um, I mean, I don't want to say like, you know, they feel inevitable because anything can happen in the playoffs and the Celtics have seemed like a team that has been, you know, so close to a championship for a number of years at this point, but you know, they haven't been able to get there. Uh, you know, but they're, I'd say, you know, pretty clearly if they're not the best team in the league, they're, they're top three for sure. But how are you looking at the Celtics and how they compare to the rest of the East and then the rest of the league? I think the Celtics are the clear best team in basketball. And I I hear what you're saying. Like, it feels like it's been forever that we've been talking about the Celtics, you know, that trade that ultimately set them up to, for future success when they sent Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen to, uh, to, to Brooklyn, like that trade had to be like, over a decade ago at this point, maybe even longer. So like it it really has been this slow build, but I think that this is clearly their best team, right? Like last year's team was very heavy in terms of guards. They had Marcus Smart. They had Derek White. They had Malcolm Brogdon, but they were very light on big men. So by getting in Kristaps Porzingis, this season, it's given them something that they haven't really had in the past, which is a guy who can protect the rim defensively and fits into their perimeter focused offense, right? Like Robert Williams was great when he was healthy at protecting the rim, but he was basically a non-factor on offense. Porzingis checks both boxes. So if he stays healthy, that's really the big injury concern. He's always a threat to go down with an injury, but if he stays healthy, um, and obviously the rest of the the Celtic stars stay healthy. I think they're the best team. I think that they win it all this season. You know, whether or not there's any betting value at this point, that I I think is a little closer. You know, they're like plus 260 sort of across the industry. I think I would be playing them at plus 300 or better, but plus 260 it's like it's just a little bit thin. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, I fully expect them to win the championship, but you have to leave open the the possibility for injuries and stuff like that. If you look at them since 2016, which feels like it was so long ago, 
But, you know, since 2016, they have lost in the Eastern Conference Finals four times. They've lost in the finals once. Yep. Like they feel like the NFL's version of the Bills, like the Josh Allen Bills, where you can look at them and say they are easily one of the best teams in the league, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump. I guess what feels different this year is that there's like no Patrick Mahomes type of player at this point in the NBA who can maybe keep them uh, just through like sheer will keep them from winning a championship this year. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong on that? Like, is there, is there someone who can just like totally dominate them in a best of seven series in the Eastern conference? I would say no. Uh, I mean, obviously Giannis is incredible. Joel Embiid, incredible when healthy, but like the totality of the Celtics is just too much when they are also healthy. So um, Jason Tatum might not be in that same class of superstar as, you know, the guys who are like the true MVP candidates, but he's only a step or two lower. He is as good as, as any of them on a night tonight on a, on any given night. It's really the consistency with him that he lacks. Uh, the, the big question mark for them is, Nikola Jokic. I mean, if there is a Patrick Mahomes in the NBA, I think it's Nikola Jokic. But he's in the other conference. They wouldn't have to worry about him until they saw him in the finals. And there's a chance that they're not making it out of the West this year. I think the West is going to be very competitive. So um, I think that the East is the easier draw. Like the Celtics, especially with all the questions surrounding Joel Embiid, I think the Celtics should be able to make it to the finals. All right, well, let's look at, at the rest of the East here. So you've got the Celtics. Uh, you have the Cavs, who I wouldn't say like are a surprise, but um, you know the Cavs who were right there, uh, you know, pacing for the number two seed. You have the Bucks, who feel like a surprise in a negative way. Uh, you have the Knicks, uh, and then after that, you have the 76ers with uh, no uh, Joel Embiid right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on the rest of the rest of the East and specifically, I mean, the doc rivers thing, you know, maybe there's only so much that a guy can do coming into a new organization in the middle of the season when they already have, you know, things kind of solidified in terms of the personnel. But uh, it feels like bringing in doc rivers was a mistake. Yeah, I think it's hilarious by the way, that he is going to be coaching the Eastern conference in the all-star game. Yes. You know, because uh, the Celtics guys can't coach it in back-to-back years, so they're out, and the the Bucks just happen to have a one-game lead on the day that they pick the coaches. So uh, it has ultimately been a disaster for Doc and his staff. But hey, congratulations! You're going to uh, Indiana to coach in the All-Star game. So um, my concerns with the Bucks are way more just with the defense than they are with the coaching. When you have Damian Lillard and you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, like you don't really need to do a lot of coaching. Just roll the ball out and let those guys go make plays. The 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 issue is just that for every point that they're scoring, it seems like they're giving up a point on the opposite end of the floor. You know, last night's game against uh, or I'm sorry, Thursday's game. I don't know when you're listening to this, but the last game before the All-Star break, they played a Memphis team that was basically a G League roster, right? Memphis is down like their five or six most important players in this contest. And the Bucks allowed them to score like 120 points. It was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing effort 
from a team that you just kind of expect to be better. Um, so I have been on the Bucks bandwagon for most of the past four or five seasons. Like they are the best. They've they've historically been like the best team in the league in net rating during the regular season. But this this team is just different. It is not the same team. You know, Chris Middleton's not the same player that he was in his prime. Um, that there are just too many question marks for me to to really consider backing them in the betting market. I think there are better teams to sort of take a flyer with in the East. All right. Well, who are those teams that you would be interested in uh, in terms of the flyer in the East? Yeah. So for me, the Cavs are at the top of the list. I really like what Cleveland. Uh, has done, you know, if you look over their past 28 games, they're 23 and five Um, over the past 15 games. They're first in the league in net rating better than the Celtics. Um, This is a a young team that is continuing to get better. You know, Donovan Mitchell, he's sort of like the elder statesman of the group. He's still very much in his prime. Then you've got guys like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, they're all 25 or younger. Like, they're continuing to improve basically, uh, you know, month to month, season to season. So the reason they're not getting a ton of love in the betting market is because they got off to such a poor start this year, and they flamed out in the playoffs last year against the Knicks. Um, I think if you look at the metrics, like, this team clearly deserves to be priced in the same tier as teams like the the Bucks. You know, maybe they don't have the same pedigree uh and they are going to have to prove themselves when they ultimately do get to the playoffs, but I think they're I think they're way better than their current odds indicate. Um especially since, you know, the number 2 spot in the East is sort of just wide open at the moment. Again, I'm saying this is someone who uh, doesn't follow basketball during the football season and really doesn't know basketball at all. But I've learned enough about basketball in the NFL off seasons to where I should always just look at the Miami Heat and just check to see like what <laughs> like what's going on with them. Like are and I know like last year they they entered the playoffs and no one was really thinking of them like as a thing, and then they made it to the finals. Uh, any interest in the heat? Like, is, is there something like, do they still have Jimmy Butler? <laughs> like, is he healthy? Like what's going on with them? They've had injury issues all season between Butler, Tyler hero, bam Adebayo. Like none of those guys have been on the court at the same time. Um, they did bring in Terry Rozier, you know, talking about guys who could potentially make an impact who were traded. He's another one. Um, I just don't see it. But Matt, like you said, I definitely didn't see it last year. You look at their metrics during the regular season last year, they were the worst team in the league in that that made it into the playoffs in terms of net rating. And Jimmy Butler just willed them through the play-in tournament, past the <laughs> past the Bucks, past the Knicks, past the Celtics. Like that is a gauntlet to try and run and and they did it. Um I think that you're right. Like there's you can always count on that team to bring their best effort, which is something that not a lot of teams can say, you know, but they're a year older. They were already kind of an aging team to begin with. I would be surprised if they had another sort of Cinderella run in them. All right, let's talk about the West and 
you have this i mean i'm just surprised that the timberwolves are Mm -hmm. at the top um you know but you have this sort of collection of teams at the top you got the timberwolves the thunder the clippers and the nuggets all of those teams are within three games of each other and then there's i would say like this tier break at least in the standings between them and all of the other teams what are your thoughts on how we see all of this shake out in the west yeah, it's it's really interesting because the top two teams, you know, the Thunder and the Timberwolves, they've pretty much been at the top of the standings all season. And yet no one really considers them a, a serious threat to win the Western Conference. Um, and a lot of that is just that they're young teams. Right. And sort of the the process in the NBA is you have to make it deep into the playoffs and lose before you can really become a serious threat to win. That's just kind of how it's always been. Um, you know, team like the Nuggets last year, they had gone through, made a couple Western Conference finals, and, uh, you know, they had to take their lumps before they could finally get over the hump. So I think this is the year more than likely where the Timberwolves and Thunder get some much-needed experience. The The real question is, Will it be the Clippers? Will it be the Nuggets? Or will it be the Suns? I think those are the three teams that I could see winning the Western Conference. Um, And for the Nuggets, like a big thing for them over the second half of the season is how high up in the standings can they get? Like they have a real legitimate home court advantage. They are almost unbeatable when they are in Denver. And when they are on the road, they are much more vulnerable. So my interest in the Nuggets will depend almost entirely on the seed that they get in the postseason. If they can finish as the one seed again, I, I think that they become the favorites to win the West. If they finish below the Clippers, uh, below the Timberwolves, below the Thunder, like it's going to be much harder for them to make a run. Um, and then again, the team that I keep coming back to is Phoenix. I think that that Phoenix, when they are healthy can go toe-to-toe with any of these teams. I mean, with uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal on the floor this season, they have a net rating of twelve of plus 12.8. Um, they are, you know, arguably the most talented team in basketball. And they continue to just make small little upgrades. You know, they traded for Royce O'Neal, who is like a perfect 3-and-D type of player to fit in alongside those guys. They brought in Thaddeus Young, as a buyout option who can give them some depth in the front court. Like they just continue to make small little improvements. And if this team is healthy, they are going to be a tough out for anyone. So the fact that they are priced sort of in a tier below the Clippers and Nuggets makes them my preferred betting option in the Western Conference. And they definitely have a tough road to navigate, right? Like they're only one game up on the Mavericks. And the Mavericks are in the play-in tournament right now. So they have work to do in the second half of the season. But if they do, once they do get a guaranteed playoff spot, you know, either through their record or if they have to go through the play-in tournament, so be it. This is a team that can beat anyone. So, you know, like James Harden, he concerns me with the Clippers just in terms of like once they get to the playoffs, what we actually see out of them. Um, what are your thoughts on like how Harden in the playoffs will work with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? 
Yeah. Um, certainly not a good track record of James Harden in the playoffs, but like this is a little bit of a different scenario. James Harden has always kind of been the number one guy for his team in the playoffs. Even last year, it should have been Joel Embiid, right? But Embiid got hurt, and Harden was kind of forced into that number one role. With this team, he shouldn't have to fill that role. He can be more of a distributor, um, perimeter shooter type of guy. And, you know, Harden's always going to get his offensively, but he can lean a little bit more on guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George than he has in previous years. Like, some of his previous star running mates were, you know, Dwight Howard in Houston, who was kind of cooked at that point. You know, Russell Westbrook, who is now like the sixth man on this Clippers team. So I, you look at the and, and Harden had to spend basically the entirety of his prime going up against the Warriors, who are going to go down as one of the greatest teams in NBA history. So, like, I think that his playoff uh performances like i'm not trying to excuse them but they don't worry me all that much this team is a Kawhi leonard team and Kawhi has proven to be one of the players that can elevate his game in the playoffs and can win you a championship there's only a handful of guys that you look at and say like this guy can lead me to a title and Kawhi leonard is one of them with his two-way skill set so um if you look at, you know, all the teams that have won the titles over the ba- the past decade, basically all of them have had either LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant, Kawhi, Giannis, or Jokic. Like one of those five guys has been on those teams. Steph Curry, too, if you want to, you know, look at some of the non-KD Warriors years. But like you need that high-end player. And uh, I think that Kawhi still is that guy when he's healthy. Well, I was going to say, you just mentioned for the first time all show uh, LeBron and Steph. Mm. And, uh, you know, like it feels like a couple of years ago, um, it would have been almost impossible to to get this far without talking about them. But, you know, looking in the West, the Lakers are number nine. The Warriors are number 10. So, you know, they are they're there uh, in the tournament in terms of, you know, like being in the mix, but um, certainly not guaranteed to make the playoffs. What are your thoughts, you know, about what we might see out of the Lakers, out of the Warriors? Yeah. And just a refresher on how the play in tournament works for those who are listening that maybe have forgotten or just don't know the seven and eight teams in the, uh, in the standings get a significant advantage, right? So those two teams play and the team that wins automatically goes in. The team that loses then plays the winner of the nine versus 10 matchup. And whoever wins that game goes into the postseason. So if you can get to the number seven or eight seed, you only have to win one out of two games in the play in tournament to qualify. If you are the nine or 10 seed, you have to win two consecutive games to make it into the playoffs. So right now, if the the playoffs started today, the play in tournament, The Lakers would be the number nine seed and the Warriors would be the number 10 seed. Um, And there's a little bit of a gap between them and the Kings who are in eighth. So they have lots of work to do over the second half of the year. Now, the good news is that those teams are trending upwards. They are starting to play better basketball. The Warriors are eight and two over their last 10. The Lakers are seven and three. They're on a three game winning streak. Um, I am more concerned overall 
with the Lakers just because I don't know if LeBron is as capable of elevating his teams the same way he did in his prime. And I mean, like, the fact that that's even a question is just a testament to how dominant this guy has been. I mean, he's he's basically 40. He's in his 21st NBA season. Um, as for the Warriors, like, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. He is having an incredible season. The problem with the Warriors is that the rest of the team is just aged terribly, right? Um, Clay Thompson, it's not really his fault. He has dealt with some tragic injuries throughout his career. He looks nothing like the player that he was in his prime. Draymond Green, definitely not the player that he was in his prime. You know, their big offseason move of bringing in Chris Paul, like he hasn't even played for them really. Um, So it's just Steph by himself with a little bit of Jonathan Kuminga who has blossomed uh into a a really solid player this season but Steph is so good that I still think he is like the bigger threat when you look at these two teams he's the guy that keeps you up at night right like you have to try and find a way to stop him and uh that's significantly easier said than done all right so We've talked a little bit uh, about the market as we've been going through these teams, but let's talk more specifically. So, you know, looking at uh, at all the options, you can bet on the team to win the NBA finals. You can bet on team to win uh, its conference championship division winners. Uh, you can bet on teams to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs. Uh, you can bet on teams to make the number one seed. Looking at the futures market in general, uh, is there anything in particular that stands out to you? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the just the to win the title odds, and I think that mm-hmm. the Suns are the best number on the board currently. Again, like I think when the Suns have been healthy, they have been as good as advertised, if not possibly even better. I mean, their their starting lineup when they have all five starters on the court, they have a net rating of of basically 13 you know they have been better than the celtics have with their starters on the floor so the only question for this suns team is have they done so much damage with how they started the season that they're gonna have to you know go through the play-in tournament play on road play road games against really good teams but their top end talent is as good as anyone in basketball and you know, you can get them at 14 to one, I believe is the current number. So yeah, that's, that's across the board, 14 to one. Yeah. I, I think that's a very fair price. You know, if this team does move up the standings over the second half of the year, which I think is totally possible, I, it would not shock me at all if that number closes a bit before the playoffs start. And then I think you mentioned earlier, uh, there's a long shot that stands out to you. Who is that? Yeah, Cleveland, the Cavaliers. Yeah. Um, I think that they're in a great spot to hold on to the number two seed in the East. And again, like they have just been playing such good basketball. They are 23 and five over their last 28 games. That's a streak that like no other team in the league can really manage over that stretch. Um, the one thing that Cleveland doesn't have is that, you know, true high end superstar. You know, I talked about all the teams that have won the finals. They all have that guy that you look at and say, he's a perennial MVP candidate. The Cavs really don't have that player. 
But I do think that, you know, their starting lineup is so good, so balanced that they are going to be uh, a tough out for anybody in the playoffs, maybe outside of the Celtics. I do think the Celtics will probably beat them, but the Celtics could get hurt. Like there are paths for Cleveland. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at the board. Cleveland is 30 to one at DraftKings. And then after them, you have Philadelphia, Dallas, Miami. Like it feels like Cleveland is kind of this this cutoff point. Yeah. It's not that I, I, th- I think like the Mavericks have no chance or something like that. But, you know, like you really kind of are at that point starting to dip your toes really into the deep end. I don't know. I mean, any interest in in the Mavericks at 40 to one? Yeah, I, I, I definitely have thought about them. Um, 40 to one feels close. I mean, I, yeah, it, it would take a lot for them to, re- to realistically make a run at the at the t- at the title. But the one yeah. thing that Dallas has is, you know, they are going to have the best player on the court in a lot of their games, right? Like the only guy in the West that I would say is, is a bigger presence than Luca right now is Jokic. So uh, anytime you have the best player, you're live, but they're going to have to navigate a really tough path. I mean, they wouldn't even have a guaranteed playoff spot if the playoffs started today and they've got teams in front of them that are going to be tough and, I think it's a tough, tough road for them to to, to make it to the championship yeah. game. But, you know, 40 to one when there are 30 to ones out there like that seems like a, it, it's not the worst bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at this from the perspective of they have one of the best players in the league. Yep. Maybe maybe top three, you know, but he's number four in MVP voting right now or MVP odds right now. And they have a legitimate, very strong number two next to him. It's just a question as to whether you know they can they can play well at the same time, and then whether they have the coaching to get the team over the hump in the defense. But they are they are slightly interesting to me. Uh, but again, I am a Mavs fan who knows nothing about basketball. Uh, all right, anything else like conference winners, uh, division winners, anything in those markets that catches your eye. I like some of these to make and miss playoff bets. Mm-hmm. Um, two that have caught my eye are Chicago Bulls to make the playoffs at plus 360. Um, the Bulls are another team that is playing really well at the moment. Uh, if you look over their last like 21 games, uh, they have a winning record. Their net rating is right around plus 2.0. So I don't think they're a legitimate contender to win the East or anything, but they are playing significantly better uh, over this over the sort of the closing half of the first half. And I think that that should continue. Kobe White has blossomed into a, you know, a, a really quality lead guard. They still have DeMar DeRozan. Um, they would be the number nine seed in the East if the playoffs started today. So they do, they are in that, that spot that I talked about where they would have to win two straight games in the play in tournament to make the playoffs, but they're four games back of the heat and the magic. It wouldn't be the huge shot, the hugest shock if they were able to leap one of those two teams. So, uh, and even if they don't, 
it wouldn't be outlandish for them to beat the Hawks and then beat one of those teams in the play-in tournament, given how well they have played recently. So I think that they are a live yes bet. And if you wanted to look at the no side, uh, I think Pelicans no playoffs at plus 450 is interesting. Plus 450. Yes. That is interesting. Go into the, the thesis about that. So they're the number six seed right now, but they are only one game up on the Mavericks. Uh, and the Pelicans go as Zion Williamson goes, right? Like if Zion gets hurt, which we have seen quite a lot of, yeah, they are not going to be the same caliber of team that they are now. And with teams like the Mavericks, the Kings, the Lakers, and the Warriors chasing you in the standings and potentially playing you in the play-in tournament, without Zion, I think the Pelicans would be underdogs, really, in the in all of those games. So um, the, the, the way that the standings are sort of jammed up in the West, I think that the Pelicans are sort of being treated as like a no-doubt playoff team. And I don't think that that's the case at all. All right. Let's talk about the uh, the awards markets. Uh, MVP is obviously, you know, the big one. Uh, Jokic right now is a, you know, minus money front running favorite here. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Giannis, Luca, and then massive drop off after those four guys. Um, of course, Joel Embiid. Uh, is not able to qualify for this award because of the injury. It's a shame. Um, he was having such a, a dominant yeah. season. Yeah. Um, I mean, is there, is there any conceivable bet? Let me just, so again, I don't know basketball, but it feels like <laughs> it feels like Shay in order for him to win. Uh, the thunder need to have the number one seed. It feels like he need like that is the shot. You know, that's what he needs to satisfy. It doesn't mean he gets it, but it feels like if he's to win, the Thunder need to have the number one seed in the West. Um, if we are going to see uh, Giannis win, they need to have a massive turnaround in the second half of the year. And maybe we need to see uh, the Nuggets fall off just a little bit or maybe not fall off, but they don't really, they don't jump the Clippers. They don't jump the Thunder, the Timberwolves. Uh, and then Luca, I mean, he's 13 to one in this market. I don't think he really has a real shot, but if he is to win, I mean, obviously he's going to need to play awesome. The Mavs are going to need to be awesome. And then a number of the guys in front of him or their teams are going to need to fall off. So I think like Luca has a lot of things that need to go right uh, for him to get it in terms of things going poorly for other players with the other guys in front of him. I feel like if they take care of business, they can all win the award. Yeah. I, for me, like the guy that I see as the best value at the moment is Shay. I, I think mm -hmm. the drumbeat is sort of steadily building for Shay to win the MVP. Um, and I don't think he necessarily needs to get the one seed because he's not competing against anyone from the Timberwolves, really. What he needs is to finish above the Nuggets in the standings. Okay. Right? Like, if Jokic has a dominant second half and the 
Nuggets finish as the number one seed. I think they're like they're gonna give it to um to Jokic. But voter fatigue is a real thing. I think that they want to reward the Thunder, you know, for being sort of ahead of schedule. And Shea is having a tremendous season. 31.1 points per game, six and a half assists, five and a half rebounds, shooting uh nearly 55% from the field. Like he has been dominant. So I, I think that if the Thunder can finish ahead of the Nuggets, that's the case for SGA. And I think that the the, uh, the gap between him and Jokic in the betting market right now is too wide. I think if they were to do like a straw MVP poll during All-Star Weekend, it would not shock me if Shea was the guy that was getting the majority of the votes. Um, I, I've really noticed on Twitter sort of a, a, a drumbeat of SGA MVP um, hype. So that's the guy that I would be placing my money in. Uh, the fact that he hasn't won it, I think helps him. The other guys, it's, 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 they're going to need a lot of help, right? They're coming from down the board. And I think that it, it's, it's hard to imagine a scenario where both SGA and Jokic falter enough to open the door for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Um, with Rookie of the Year, it feels like this is very much locked up. I don't know if it's really even worth talking about, but, you know, Victor Wimbanyama, what are his odds? I mean, like, you know, minus 600, um, I think, is what I'm seeing right now uh, at DraftKings. I think that's representative of what is across the market. I I don't know if Holmgren really has any chance of catching him. Um, but at the same time, I don't, think that there's really any value in betting minus 600 at this point so if you don't have a position in this market it feels like you're pretty much closed out yeah and it's interesting because the way this this season started was sort of you know chet was dominating um the headlines at least and and when Benyama got off to a slow start but over the last two months when Benyama has been as advertised he is a mm-hmm. freak of nature he's averaging like 2010 four blocks like he's gonna win this award um but yeah i'm with you i don't want to get in at minus 600 i think if you could find anything from like minus 450 or better that would be fine to play Mm -hmm. but you know that's me just throwing out a number that i don't think exists at the moment so it's something it does not exist it's something you can monitor but i doubt that we're going to get an opportunity to bet on it if you've missed out yeah, I I, I kind of doubt also that this number will get shorter, although you never know. And uh, shout out uh, the guys on the Bet the Edge podcast uh, for NBC, um, Jay, Crouch, Jay Croucher and Drew Densick, Um, because I do listen to that. And anything I know about NBA, uh, a lot of it is coming from stuff that they've talked about. And I do remember them saying, uh, you know, I think a month ago, like the minute restriction on Wimbenyama is about to come off. This is the time to bet him. Uh, and so, you know, because of that, I I do have a ticket on him at Rookie of the Year. And he was plus money yep. at that point, which is kind of incredible given all of the hype that he had entering the draft. You know, the no doubt number one pick in the draft for him throughout the season without having a significant injury and without playing poorly. Just he wasn't playing a lot of minutes, but for him to be available at plus money while it was kind of known his usage would ramp up. Uh, as we got later into the season 
uh, I think that was a really big opportunity there. Um, so shout out those guys for uh, for highlighting that. Uh, okay, so that's rookie of the year. Most improved of the year. Is there anything there that kind of stands out to you that you think is actionable in that market? The dumbest award every year. It's so hard to determine who is improved um, versus who is just getting more minutes and more opportunities. Yeah. Um, I think Kobe White is live to leap Tyrese Maxey. You know, Maxey has kind of been the favorite to win this award for most of the season, but his he's cooled off now that he has been sort of thrust into that number one role. Um, it, it turns out it's a lot easier to play basketball when Joel Embiid is occupying like four guys every possession. So now that Maxie's had to be the number one guy for the 76ers, it has been a lot tougher for him. And Kobe White, um, it's sort of been the opposite. Zach Levine got hurt. And he has been thrust into a a more of a starring role, and he has really picked up the slack magnificently. So, I, I, at this point, Maxi would be the guy that would win it, but I think there are certainly scenarios where Kobe White passes him um, by the end of the season. That's interesting. So he's available plus five hundred at uh, BetMGM at Caesars. And, uh, you know, if you look at a uh, an odds calculator, we have one at Fantasy Life, by the way, you can see that, um, you know, plus 500 odds comes out to a 16.7% implied probability. You think that there's value in that 16.7%. Yeah, I would say that his true odds are probably in the 20 to 25% range. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's like a screaming value, but... Right. It's definitely right. something where I could see him passing him by the end of the year. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, all it takes really, especially on the tails like this, I mean, you start to get into these these bigger numbers. All you really need is a couple percentage points to make it pretty interesting there. Uh, coach of the year. Um, anything stand out to you in that market? Yeah, I, I think um, Dan, Dagno is going to, take this award home for the thunder barring a monstrous collapse. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I don't have those odds in front of me because unfortunately this, some, this is something that I can't bet, but he's two to one, two to one. You, so so you're laying two to one. Uh, it's plus 200. Really? It's plus 200. It is very close with, uh, Chris Finch, who's plus 225. I'm looking at, uh, DK odds right now. Okay. Uh, Bickerstaff is plus 425. And then you have Tyron Liu, who is plus 600. And then after them, there's a really big drop off. But those are the four who were, you know, kind of really there at the top in the running for the award. Yeah, I don't see that at all. Um, <laughs> I think that. I would be betting uh, the Thunder coach at anything better than even money. Mm -hmm. I think he is like he has had the least to work with, so to speak. Like he entered the mm -hmm. season with the lowest expectations of this group. So, uh, you know, no, no disrespect to Chris Finch, who has taken the Timberwolves to the top spot in the Western Conference, but even if the Timberwolves finish the season ahead of the Thunder, I still think the voters would give it to Dagno. Okay. So 
even money, anything, you know, even money or better you think is, is representing some value there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sixth man of the year, anything catch your eye in that market? Uh, not really. It's a, it's another weak year for sixth man. Um, mm-hmm. la- I thought last year was weak. We sort of had Emmanuel quickly versus, uh, Malcolm Brogdon and Brogdon ended up taking home the award. Um, this year, Malik Monk has been the guy that I think most people want to want to say has been the best sixth man. But, you know, you compare his numbers to somebody like Lou Williams, who was the, you know, perennial sixth man of the year threat. And I, they're just not that impressive. Uh, I, I don't really see any sort of betting value here. If you wanted to take a flyer on somebody, I might look at Norm Powell for the Clippers. He just had a huge game the other day. Uh, he's somebody that, you know, whenever the Clippers are going to rest players, which will probably happen pretty frequently down the stretch, he could take on a bigger role, which could end up, you know, sort of inflating his numbers a little bit. That would be the way that I would attack this if I had to make a play. But I think that this market is ultimately just a pass. All right. Defensive player of the year. Uh, Rudy Gobert is a uh, massive favorite uh, minus 650 looking at DraftKings right now. Uh, and that's you know pretty representative of the market in general. Um, you know, I think he's won this award three times mm-hmm. before. Uh, I mean, is there any value at all in this market? No, it's a pass for me. Gobert will win. He should win. You know, the reason the Timberwolves have been so successful this year is because they've been the best defensive team in the league and Gobert is their best defender. So, um, you know, as much as it might be fun to like throw a name out like Wembenyama because he is putting up video game block numbers, the Spurs are just so irrelevant that there's no chance that could ever happen. So it's going to be a Gobert. I wouldn't be betting on him, though. I I think this market's just a pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to follow up on the Wimbanyama, because he's the one guy that I was thinking about a little bit, 30 to one. You mentioned the Spurs are so irrelevant. And also, you know, given that Wimbanyama has rookie of the year locked up, it feels like that could factor into how voters, uh, you know, position themselves in other other awards. But um, have you noticed with something like defensive player of the year, because it makes me think of NFL defensive player of the year, how the award typically goes um in terms of if that guy has to be on a good team or not you mentioned probably wouldn't go to the spurs because the spurs are irrelevant has something like that historically mattered for defensive player of the year in the nba it matters to the extent of like you need to at least play for a team that is good defensively (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the spurs don't are not right like they they're not a good defensive team so if it was something where the Spurs were, you know, like around 500 and they had the fifth best defense, third best defense in the league, that would be an easier sell than, um, you know, where the Spurs are at currently. And, you know, Wembenyama, there's a good chance he is going to get sort of, I don't want to say shut down, but they're going to give him nights off down the stretch. They are going to you know, really make sure that they are not putting too much strain on his freakishly large body. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gobert, meanwhile, like the guy is just a, a tree trunk of a man 
and the, <laughs> the Timberwolves have everything to play for. So he, he's a fangorn of uh, a man for people who are into Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, this next award, the last award, Clutch Player of the Year. I didn't even know this award existed. It it feels like a fake award. Um, yeah, you know, pretty, that, pretty like, much. You know, like uh, five, ten years ago, that would have been like talked about in an SNL skit or something like that. But um, Clutch Player of the Year, Steph Curry, minus 125 is the best number that you can find on him. Uh, and then a pretty big drop off to everyone else. Shea Gilgis Alexander is number two in this market. The best number you can find on him is plus 600 and it goes down from there. Uh, any thoughts on on this? Because, you know, if Curry's a favorite, maybe he's not enough of a favorite here. Yeah. And I think that this is sort of like a way to just like give acknowledgement to players who are having good seasons, but maybe don't play for the best teams. Right. And that, that it's like the MVP for teams that aren't good. (laughs) And to me, Steph, Steph Curry kind of has that in, in the bag, right? Like if his biggest competition is SGA, and I think that there's a legit chance that SGA is going to win the MVP. I don't think that they would give him both awards. Right. So I would say that, yes, Curry is probably a little thin here. Um, and I also don't hate Jalen Brunson, you know, who is way down the board. But the Knicks have been bad recently. They're dealing with a ton of injuries. But Jalen Brunson has been sort of um, a, a really good closer and I think the Knicks have been a story this season. Like, it wouldn't shock me if people wanted to give Brunson and or the Knicks like just a little bit of recognition. So I don't hate that if you're looking for like a long shot play. But I, I do think that this is Steph's award to lose. All right. Uh, Brunson, obviously you have to line shot, but it uh, can be books. Brunson is available at 25 to one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe some potential there uh, still widely available uh, 20 to one, 18 to one different places there. So, uh, all right. Out of all of these bets that we have talked about, whether it's a team to win the championship, make or miss the playoffs, uh, the individual awards bets, Lamarca, anything stand out to you as your favorite? I really like the uh, the Dagno uh, coach of the year bet. I think that that, you know, again, I I can't bet on futures markets because I live in a no fun state of New York. But um, I think he should be closer to even money than two to one. So I I really like that. I'm a big believer in the Suns at 14 to one. um, And I like the Bulls to potentially make it to the postseason. So I think those are sort of three bets that I, I I really enjoy different price points depending on you know how much you're looking to invest. Um, and I think that we can be rewarded by them. So I'm looking forward to a, a strong second half of the season. All right, I asked for one and you gave me three, like the clutch player that you are. That's gonna do it. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Betting Life Show brought to you by Fantasy Life. Please subscribe to the show as well as the Betting Life newsletter. Tell your degenerate betting friends, join the Discord, see all of our bets in the free Fantasy Life Bet Tracker, and follow us on social media at Matt Lamarca and Matt F the Oracle. Thank you and see you again next episode. <laughs>